Welcome back to STG Talks. We're your hosts, Kevin and James, based in Chicago and Scotland, and we're here to inspire you to take action towards achieving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Each week's episode, we will be talking with changemakers about their grassroots and global initiatives related to the 2030 Agenda. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode, and please be sure to check out the show notes for links and further reading. A few years ago, I started partnering with Telcos as distributors. About four years ago, when we started selling pay-as-you-go products and offering this, you know, sort of installment financing for customers, we became um, uh, customers of these MNOs, uh, these telcos, um, because we leverage mobile money. It's how millions of customers pay us on a daily basis. Today, they pay us 15 cents or 50 cents or a dollar or a couple dollars at a time to keep their systems, you know, the energy going. So today in this episode of SDG Talks, I have a conversation with Radhika Takar from Greenlight Planet. She's based in Nairobi and Greenlight Planet work to essentially help electrify the planet. They produce products. Uh, She talks a lot about Sun King, which is a solar um, powered charger, essentially. And what they've been doing over the last 10 years, 12 years, 13 years to basically reach a heck of a lot of different communities and homes and places that are not connected to the grid, don't have access to main grid electricity and bring electricity to those communities. And the way she describes their relationships with telecommunication companies, with mobile phone penetration, with uh, microfinancing is incredibly, incredibly exciting. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed chatting with Radhika. And please be sure to check out the show notes as you go along. Radhika, really great to have you here on the podcast. I mean, this is the SDG Talks podcast. We talk about sustainable development. What you're doing at Greenlight Planet is very much embodying sustainable development. I thought what could be great for the uh, listeners out there would be to start with you giving a little introduction to yourself and what Greenlight Planet does as an organisation. Sure. Thanks, James. And, and thanks so much for, for having me. It's, it's really a pleasure to, to be here and, and to chat a bit, a bit more about what we do. Um, so let me just dive in. Uh, Greenlight, we, we make solar-powered home energy appliances, um, primarily light uh, and really kind of um, foundational appliances, uh, mobile phone chargers, radios, televisions, fans, primarily, um, for households that are um, off the grid. Um, so by off grid, they are either completely disconnected or just not part of the electrical grid. Um, or in many cases, they have access to the grid, but have such unreliable access that they have to depend on alternatives for, for lighting. Um, and maybe just to paint a picture of, of what that looks like and what that means for, for our customers, um, the, the folks that, that we serve uh, primarily across uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and, and South Asia, that are off-grid or, or unreliably connected, um, typically are rural, and that's um, 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 you know one of the main reasons that they are off the grid. It's the grid infrastructure just does not reach where they physically live, um, and without access to electricity, um, many would use technology or, or you know things like kerosene lamps 
or battery powered torches with disposable batteries um, to, to, to bring light at home. Um, and then often travel you know, by foot or by bicycle uh, a few kilometers to pay someone to charge their mobile phone a few times a week. Um, so really um, you know, kind of dependent on yeah, kerosene, which is polluting, noxious, not great for health um, and, uh, and expensive. It's this really expensive recurring cost for the household. Um, and, and without, you know, kerosene or traveling somewhere to charge your phone, um, people will just be dependent on the sun. So kind of productive activities, school, work, socializing happens sort of when the sun comes up and ends when the sun comes down. Um, and so, so our products are, are designed to be super affordable, super durable, um, and uh, very easy to use, high High quality, um, and just kind of intuitive uh, for 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 our customers, and they provide light. Um, so solar powered light, um, and our products range from really small portable task lights uh, that would replace your typical kerosene lamp, all the way up to like a multi light solar home system where you can almost you know kind of simulate the feeling of the grid in a single household, um, multiple light points, a radio, a fan, a television. Um, and really, if you think about it, kind of what our products do, or how they function for our customers is it's it's like just building your own energy source uh, and your own you know uh, appliances, your own kind of grid um, access at, at home. Um, so that's a, yeah, just a little bit about about the technologies um, that, that we create and, and the consumers that, that we serve. Awesome. I think you you really painted quite a bit of a picture there. Do you, do you think you could um, build on that and, and talk us through? I mean, you're sitting in, in Nairobi right now. Let's take Kenya, for example. What's the process for or what was the process when you first started to roll out into these rural communities? Mm-hmm. And how did you reach the point where you could um, yeah, have your devices and be supporting communities out there? I mean, what does that even look like from yeah. inception to having a community that's completely powered yeah. yeah yeah it's been quite a a wild ride i'd say when when we started um when we started selling our products right so there's definitely a few years before we could even get to the point of having products to sell but um we started selling our products around may of 2009 and at the time so just a little over a decade ago not that long ago but at the time the idea of a solar powered lamp um designed for a rural household and um, as an alternative to kerosene lamps, that was not very um, well thought of, or there weren't many companies um, that were working in this space. We were one of a very small handful. Um, and at the time, you know, our, our customers in particular were not even aware of solar power technology for the most part. And, and in, in the cases where people had heard of solar, it was something that, you know, sort of at a much larger scale or commercial or something for like big cities, um, not not lower income rural households. So we had to do a tremendous amount of education um, all the way through, you know, the, the value chain, everything from um, definitely our, our customers who we were trying to show, here's a, here's a different way to bring light at home and it'll be cleaner and safer and cheaper in the long run um, to companies that we thought you know, might be able to distribute our products to government bodies, ministries of energy, um, those looking at climate environment and just looking at electrification. Back then, 
the idea of, you know, sort of how do we bring energy to, to everyone that doesn't have it today? The assumption was we need to build the grid. We need to expand the grid. Um, today, that's very different. I think in so many countries around the world, as our industry has grown, as um, the impact of our products, the, the power that our products have to provide light and, and enable a lot of productive activity has, has just been seen. Um, we now see a lot of countries with large off-grid populations um, really accepting distributed solutions like ours as, as viable, um, actually much more efficient or more economical or more viable um, solutions in expanding the grid, at least in the next few decades. Um, and so what's you know, one thing that's been incredible to see is like national electrification plans, you know, have some portion of grid expansion, some portion of we're going to build mini grids, and then um, almost always have now a portion of and here are the populations that are going to be served with distributed solutions like our solar home systems, for example. So that's, that's really, um, that's kind of maybe just to paint kind of the bookend picture of mm very, you know, sort of limited awareness of the power of, of our product category a little over a decade ago to, to today, the how we how we got there um, is, uh, yeah, is, is, is interesting, a lot of trial and error, I think, uh, when we began, uh, in, you know, in 2009, we because of that education, you know, component, like, we realized we couldn't just make a bunch of our products. They're called Sun King, by the way. Sun King is our consumer brand. Uh, we couldn't just make a bunch of Sun Kings and put them up on you know, the shelves of stores because um, no one knows what they are. You know, and, and storekeepers, they're not actively marketing a product. They're there to help you kind of purchase whatever you want. And so they're dependent on customers coming in and buying what they need. We couldn't run TV commercials as advertisements because, well, our target consumer group doesn't have electricity. They don't have the television. Um, many of them didn't have radios either. So we had to do like in-person, you know, awareness, marketing, education of, of our products. Um, and so we started by building this, this direct to consumer model, which is um, we found sales agents in, in rural India, rural India was kind of Eastern India and Northern India were the first markets that we focused on. And we found people that were well-respected, a little bit hungry, you know, had a little hustle in them, um, and uh, and and you know could speak local languages and were known by communities to effectively go door to door and create awareness about our Sun King lamps um, and sell them to, to customers. Um, and so that's how we got started. And of course, it took a lot of iterations to figure out how to build that kind of model in a sustainable way. Um, and, and it has since, you know, it's, it's evolved and it's scaled and it's grown. And today we have 10,000 commission agents um, in, the, in a handful of countries. But we also realized early on that we were not going to be able to find commission agents to go door to door to reach at the time 1.2 billion people who had unreliable access, you know, to electricity. That just was not going to be scalable, um, at least not not in the sort of timeline that, that the world needs. Um so, so we also started to look for distribution partners, um, companies that already have some sort of relationship with their customers, um, agriculturally, you know, focused companies, microfinance institutions, um, distributors of, you know, fast moving consumer goods that, that get out to rural areas, et cetera. And so over the last, you know, 10 years, 
well, 12, 13, coming on 13 years, um, we have, you know, really expanded our presence. Our products are now in 40 countries, primarily through district distributors. We work with more than 300 distribution partners and thousands of rural retailers. Um, and then we, we have this direct-to-consumer model still in, in a few countries, in Nigeria, Uganda, Tanzania, Kenya, Myanmar, India and Zambia as well. So, yeah. So where, where, where are we at today? So it was in 2009, yeah. it was 1.2 billion people yeah. that were, didn't yeah. have access to electricity. Obviously, this is hard to quantify. Are you aware where where that's at today? Is it? Yeah, it, down? it's decreased. Yeah, definitely, yeah. which is good news. Um, today, I think it's just under 800 million people that are totally off the grid. Um, Does I that have also to say include that's... not being having um i want to say microgrid self uh, what was the terminology you would use not microgrid yeah. but having your own power source what, what was the terminology you used there sorry yeah distributed energy distributed yeah that's the one. yeah that's, the one. that's a great question i don't think that that number counts mm. or accounts for those that have a solar home system i'm not sure about that um so you know i was just going to say one thing that's really interesting about these estimates uh, are that they are really rough estimates, right? So um, they depend on how each country defines uh, electrification or, or um, energy access. And in many, in many, historically, in many countries, that was defined by the ability to access the grid. So let's say I have a household in a rural area, um, and there is a grid access point within a kilometer of, uh, of my house, which means that I the grid is accessible to me, um, but I individually may not have the money to pay for that connection to the grid. Um, so I may actually be totally off the grid, um, but be counted as as uh, with, with having access to the grid. Um, now, this is a little bit different e in each country. And so the, the kind of unelectrified, electrified numbers country to country are not 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 precise i'd say um in some countries they are quite precise and in others it's 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 kind of a little bit looser i think you know what's what's really common for a lot of our customers in many markets is that they live under the grid like they literally you know have a power line running over their house or with an eyesight and yet they are not physically connected to it um and so there's a lot of folks like that as well, yeah, that make up our, mm. our consumer mm. base. Um, and so, yeah, I think officially it's just under 800 million that are totally off grid at the moment. Um, but there's still this, you know, other segment that has grid access, um, but, but are in areas where grid, you know, um, reliability is so intermittent, right? I, I'm, I may be actually physically connected to the grid, but only have power from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. in the morning, which is not necessarily when I or my family, you know, can find the most use of it. Um, and so that, you know, that, that picture is still really prevalent for, for a lot of people. So we do have customers that are grid connected and have the, a solar the, home system. The, the way yeah. you, you spoke about there, just going back a, a few minutes about how now national plans for electric, electrification are no longer just about extending the main grid, extending the huge coal power plants or hopefully wind turbine farms and, and whatever else, uh, other natural resources we can tap into, depending where you are. But would, would you then say that is, that's now no longer the end goal to have just an enormous grid? Like, is this a short-term thing that some countries are thinking, okay, maybe it's more efficient to just have distributed power, but at the end of the, the day in 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, 
we want to go for a, a full grid or do you think that that is changing and this is a very broad question like globally as well you know is, is this going to be like a I mean, there's such a discussion about microgrids, which I guess is is not the same as having distributed. It is distributed. It's just kind of more like a, a middle ground, you know, just a community that has their own gener generation of energy. And I know from living in in um, in Denmark that you have quite a lot of that. Where you'll have towns or communities that own together, they'll own like wind turbines nearby, or they'll own solar panels nearby. Or there was a really cool example of a town that had a massive solar farm next to them, and they through the winter of course don't have much sunlight being in the northern hemisphere and what they would do is they would use this heat energy to, to warm up like a, an insulated pool which they could then use to circulate warm water in the winter so it was like yeah. they could use that solar energy Very for cool. in the winter so it's just like a fun interesting fact i thought was really cool but are you aware or is that also quite um quite a gray zone um for yourself as well how things are looking to develop yeah, I, I think it is changing. Um, I think that the realization of how expensive it would be to expand the grid, um, when you think about when you think about countries where you know population is really dispersed, you may have some kind of dense areas, right, where a lot of people live in the city or kind of peri-urban areas, but then the rest of the population is spread out over a massive piece of land, right? I mean. Um, this is where Sub-Saharan Africa is just so different than South Asia. South Asia is really dense. Um, even when you get to rural areas, people live in, in just much greater density. And so, you know, expanding the grid is a little bit more feasible. Um, when you look at um, even Kenya, actually, which is not, it's not a very tiny, you know, country, it's just under 50 million people, but the land mass is still large for 50 million people. And so you have, definite pockets of concentration, but then you'll go, you know, long stretches um, where, um, where there, there isn't, you know, a huge, uh, hugely dense um, population, or you have communities that are nomadic, um, they pick up and move uh, within certain areas. And therefore, you know, in, in those situations, also fixed grid infrastructure doesn't, doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit actually how, how the population lives. Um, and so I think that's where there's been this realization of, uh, yeah, the, the grid is, you know, it's not a one size right answer for all. Um, in some ways it's a little bit different, but it's kind of like that realization of, oh, we don't all need landlines to be connected, mm. you know, with the telephone. Um, we've all walked away from that that reality, but that was a reality a couple of decades ago. Um, and today it's like, if you move house, you, you know, depending on where you live, you often don't even install it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yet we are far more connected than we ever were before. And we're doing so much with those mobile phones. We're paying bills, we're paying each other, we're learning about business opportunities and things like that. And so it's kind of like that, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a parallel mindset shift. Um, so I, I do think that that is changing and, I think for some areas, you know, grid extension um, is still maybe the, the ultimate goal and distributed solutions may be good sort of intermediary steps. And in, mm. and for other areas or for other populations, um, distributed is just going to make a lot of sense over the long term. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also yeah, thinking yeah. like compared to if you, if you invest heavily as a country in like amazing infrastructure, then you get the economies of scale which is a good thing but that to have like a massive grid but then i guess maintenance costs are quite a lot and might all come at once 
Whereas yeah. if you have a distributed model, maybe it's not so much the responsibility of one actor. I don't know how, how that model rolls out in terms of ownership. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Something you talked about. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, the, the other thing that's really different, I think, and it's almost like kind of looking at this in a different dimension is um, when you expand the grid, um, yes, people have access to, to energy. Um, but then they have to, they purchase their appliances, right? Um, a, a refrigerator, a computer, a television, all of that. Um, and that works for, for many, particularly those on salary jobs, you know, middle, middle to higher income. But for low income and really kind of below the poverty line households, um, when, you know, if, if, if I'm earning $2 a day or my household income is $5 a day, you know, combined, and I get access to the grid, I still have to go out and buy appliances to, to make use of that energy, right? So light bulbs I can buy. Um, can I buy a refrigerator? Uh, probably not. There's still, you know, even a, a really, um, or a television, even sort of low cost refrigerators and appliances are still gonna cost 50, 80, a couple hundred dollars or the local equivalent. And you know, so just having access isn't enough to be able to leverage that access. Um, and I think that's where distributed solutions function in a very different way. We're not providing, you know, we're providing more than just the energy source, we're providing the output, the what you do with that energy as well. Um, and because we and a number of companies in our industry now offer consumer financing as well through um, technology called pay as you go. So we've actually built in technology that enables customers to pay for like a $100 or $400 product through a series of installments. So it's not a one time, you know, upfront payment, it's it's you know over a year or over multiple months, depending on the the total price. Um, people can then purchase the solar home system, a television, a radio, you know, all all of that, um, over time. And so, you know, when when you think about it like that, we're not we're not just energy; we're energy plus um, plus a, you know appliances. And and it's it's quite rare for unbanked customers, unbanked individuals around the world, to be able to go and get financing for a refrigerator. Um, even if that's going to help improve, you know, their health and their food security and mm. uh, nutrition, you know. Um, and so I think that's the other really big difference. Um, we are energy, but we're also energy plus plus the application of, of energy. Mm. That's that's incredibly disruptive. That's really like microfinancing taking taking that on as in, in exactly. your in your role as well. I think that's awesome. Yeah. A, a thing you you talked about before. Um, in the process of rolling out, you worked with quite a lot of different organisations, um, even with with governments as well. Do you have any? Um, yeah, you, you mentioned to me before that actually telecommunication companies had a had a role to play. Uh, do you have any more sort of insights or explanations there? I mean, that was off off mic, so everybody listening won't have any clue what I'm talking about. Maybe you could elaborate on that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years, we have found um, telecom companies as really interesting uh, partners. Um, they are obviously working in a very different space. They provide mobile connectivity. Um, sometimes they you know, sell devices as well, mobile phones and tablets and things. Um, the reason they were attractive to us from the beginning is when you look at Africa and you look at Asia, our key markets, um, mobile phone penetration has just gone through the roof in the last decade um, or decade and a half. It's so common to see a household that doesn't have access to their grid and yet has multiple mobile phones in, the, in their home. Um, and and it's, it's, it's really functional, right? So um, 
in in Kenya and East Africa and a few other parts of the world, mobile money has been um, it, one of the primary ways people transfer um, funds, you know, cash from from one house to another or one individual to a business or um, uh yeah, an employer to to an employee um, in many cases, and so mobile phones are really like they're how how we get how we get you know our our finances, how we manage our finances, how we purchase things, how we transact, also how we find information. Um, kind of individual smallholder farmers will often go on to Facebook groups or other social media platforms and find their paths to market. Um, so they're really, you know, it's, it's, they're not just about keeping up socially with others, although of course it's important as well. Um, and so we realized, you know, their customers are our customers and yet so many of their, the growing base of their customers don't even have a way to charge their phones. Um, they have to go, you know, walk a few kilometers, pay 10 or 20, you know, cents um, a charge a few times a week. And so we realized, gosh, for us, this is like a really logical um, uh, partnership, especially because, you know, we have even from our some of our portable solar lamps, they include a USB charger. So not only do people get lights, but they also have a way to charge their phones. And um, so we actually started building just kind of more commercial um, distribution partnerships with a few telcos um, about seven or eight years ago. Uh, where you know you could walk into an outlet of of one of these mobile network operators and um, and and see a Sun King product and you could purchase a solar light and, and a phone and, and like a bundle you know uh, a, a, a small smartphone and a and a portable lamp with a phone charger and over the years and particularly in the last couple of years this relationship has really expanded um, because of this pay as you go technology so you know we you know a few years ago started partnering with telcos as distributors about four years ago when we started selling pay-as-you-go products and offering this you know this sort of installment financing for customers we became um uh customers of these mnos uh these telcos um because we leverage mobile money it's how millions of customers pay us on a daily basis today they pay us 15 cents or 50 cents or a dollar or a couple dollars at a time to keep their systems, you know, the energy going. Um, and so we now have this, now we have this relationship where we are customers, we, we are leveraging their service. And we're also helping a lot of people get onto mobile money for the first time um, because it is just a, a much easier way for them to, to pay for their, you know, solar home system to, to keep running. Um, and so now it's evolved another step further, which is, this is a great, you know, when for telcos who are thinking they want more people using their mobile money platforms, they want to increase, you know, sort of their stickiness and how they um, connect with, with, with the masses, you know, just your typical everyday consumer um, across the, the continent, particularly in Africa. And so now we have, once again, come back to um, this distribution partnership as well. And so it's a really unique partnership where um, our products, are just so logical. They just add so much value to, to their customers the and the symbiosis. way we get our products. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But there's a really nice symbiotic um, relationship here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, I think that's that's really incredibly quirky. And anyone who's listened to the podcast regularly will know I spoke to um, a man a few weeks or months ago about um, mobile phone penetration to, to, to improve microfinancing and financing the world. Um, and... I think this is this is a really really interesting topic and, and a real way that, that you know you can actually elevate a lot of people 
in terms of bringing them into um, certain access to opportunities that, that, that have come around in the modern world. Um, yeah. I think another interesting thing that would be, be good to hear from, from your side, I mean, have there been any specific markets or regions or places that you've gone into and that it's gone differently or that it has just um, taken off? This is a, a broad and open question, but I mean, you work in so many different geographies and so many different regions, it, it can't all be a one-size-fits-all approach, or maybe it can. Yeah, yeah. Um, great question. Uh, yeah, I think East Africa has really been um, an area that, that that we have flourished, but also our industry has flourished um, generally. And, you know, when you think about the population of East Africa combined, it's, it's significant, but it's not the largest African population in the world. Uh, when we started 10 years ago, India or 13 years ago, India was the largest software population in a single country that has gone down over time. Today, the largest off-grid populations in single countries are Nigeria, DRC, you know, countries with huge populations, Ethiopia, huge populations, and, and a lot of, um, uh, you know, sort of gaps, let's say, between where the grid currently reaches. Um, uh, but East Africa, um, I think for, you know, a confluence of reasons has, has become like this, um, this great model, I, I think, in, in many ways for the distributed energy sector. Um, so today, um, I was actually just trying to look up the exact data, and it's hard, again, it's really hard to find this data. But um, you know, percentage-wise, just by the number of Sun King units that we've sold in, in Kenya, in particular, um, you can sort of average out that I think we're in like ten um, percent. Of, of Kenyan households. Um, and when you look at just the off-grid population, it's it's closer, it's like 17%, maybe 20% of off-grid households. It's probably a little bit higher, um, but yeah, uh, you know, one in five off-grid households has, you know, is powered by Sunking product. When you look at our whole industry, of course that, you know, that, that's even, that's even stronger. So um, the, you know, and 10 years ago, it, it didn't look like that at all. You know, you could take the whole industry and we wouldn't even be in one in, one in 10 households. Um, or rather one in 10 households wouldn't have even been powered by a solar, you know, powered solution. Uh, and so I think this region has really transformed, um, specifically Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, where there's been um, a lot of uh, companies like ours uh, focused on building high quality solar powered solutions specifically for this, you know, for this market segment. And there's also been an incredibly conducive um, environment to operate. Um, uh, for you know, for the longest time, our products have had um, uh, ex duty exemptions or reduced VAT, just making it easier for solutions to come into the market. East Africa, as an economic block, had embraced standards to ensure quality solar products come into the market, so that you know, sort of re the reputation of the technology is not ruined. Um, people trust what's coming out there, and so you know, I think all of these things. Um, together have really helped just build this this industry and so um you know it's solar is a, is a household concept now um you can go into the smallest of villages and see a solar lamp or a solar home system everywhere you know and and again when when i started trying to expand our presence into africa in 2009 2010 um people didn't know what solar was. I would often start conversations, you know, holding up a panel 
and, and our lamp and saying, this is a panel, you place it in front of the sun, it collects energy and, and, you know, really explaining how it works. And today it's like, oh, that's solar. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Um, so that, that's a, you know, an incredible transformation. Um, and we're now seeing kind of the successive of this concentration and, and, you know, vast market influence how quickly other markets are starting to develop. So Nigeria, for example, huge off-grid population, huge electricity challenges too. Um, you hear generators all the time, even in the densest parts of Lagos and you know the big cities. Um, and uh, and and the government there is embracing solar as well. I mean, just like we're you know as mentioned before, um, countries are seeing yet yeah, these solutions are great. They're affordable. They're accessible. They're easy to distribute. And we've got sun all year round. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you know we're we're really excited about what's going on in West Africa generally. Central Africa starting to pick up. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So are those the regions you would say that require the most attention in terms of electrification now in, in amongst the world? I know this is your area of region of focus, so of course that's yeah. more more what you'd speak to. Um. Do you, yeah. do you know much in terms of like Central Asia or even South America, what, how that compares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yes, uh, in short, Sub-Saharan Africa is the, the area of greatest focus. Um, and that's just by way of the percentage of the population that's off-grid today. Um, and what's understood, um, if, we, if we look at the next 10 years, let's say, the rate of electrification will be far outpaced by the rate of population growth. And so even as a greater percentage, or let's say even as the grid expands over the next decade, um, the number of people that exist in the next decade and, and are off-grid will, will be much larger. Um, so the percentage of off-grid will be lower, but the actual, the real numbers of people off-grid will, will actually continue to increase if solutions like ours you know, are not you know, making their way to, to rural areas um, across the continent. Um, that's quite different when we look at South Asia and um, Central Asia East, you know, in, in Asia Pacific and even Central America, um, lower off-grid populations. Um, and I think again, because of population density, a greater ability to expand the grid or build mini grid or microgrid, um, you know, solutions instead. So um, yeah, it's not to suggest that, that there isn't an issue there. We're very active in, in South Asia. Um, and Asia Pacific as well. We have distribution in Papua New Guinea, um, in Fiji and Vanuatu, um, you know, areas that do have large off-grid populations, but um, but we don't see the same trends or the same trends are not projected as, as kind of the severity of what we see in, in Sub-Saharan Africa. Awesome, Radhika. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this about Greenlight Planet and about the work that you're doing. I think uh, it's um, it's really awesome to see how quickly that things can change. I mean, you're talking about 2009, it's not that long ago. And yeah. it sounds like, uh, yeah, electrification is, is really, really just uh, snowballing, uh, which is amazing to hear. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing everything. And um, yeah, I'll make sure to put anything in the show notes that we mentioned. So anyone listening in can read more about, about the work you're doing um, and then some other extra links I can think of. Um, but otherwise, thank you so much for coming on. and. Um, yeah, all the best with your move. Thanks so much. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Wicked. Um, 
I'm going to stick on the call, Radhika, just to do a little like intro piece. Um, sure. That was really cool. That was really cool. I can okay. I can feel that you've spoken passionately about this many times before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just, <laughs> it just yeah, rolls yeah. out. No, I think um, it's, it's an area that's not not well like understood. Um, and yeah. yet, like the and it's such a simple thing, you know, a small subtle lamp, and the impact is just so profound. You know, like the yeah. transformative power is is incredible. So. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, best of luck with the move. I'll be super excited. Yeah. Um, hope it goes yeah. well. I, I've moved six yeah. or seven times this year. Just oh my goodness, was like year. living in a van and I've just, yeah. I'm so done with it. But I can imagine if you've not moved for a while, it's like an exciting thing. It, it's <laughs> it's a lot. Like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where are you based now um, at the moment? Right like, now yeah. I'm in Norway, but I'm kind of fluid. Yeah. I don't really have a, a place. I'm going to, um, Copenhagen on Friday oh, and then yeah. down to Spain I'm just kind of remote for the time being but I'm looking forward to having like a place again I think back in the UK um okay gotta wait yeah see. gotta wait and see yeah yeah um, and now travel's a little bit easier which is easier and I'm yes. fully vaccinated so I can actually move around don't have yeah. to quarantine or test it's yeah. changes things <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah it sounds like you've gotten like the best of the, the good months in uh yeah in uh yeah scandinavia and and europe generally that's it yeah. awesome all right yeah. well i'm gonna go and grab yeah. myself a drink but all the best sure. and, um, yeah thanks James. yeah cheerio yeah, yeah. we hope you enjoyed today's episode of sdg talks as much as we did Check out the show notes for all the resources and please reach out if you think you're a good fit for an interview or have another idea for collaboration. Catch you next time and make sure to keep on SDG talking.